Good morning to you guys. Welcome uh, to Celebration Sunday. My name is Chris. If you're new here, uh, if you are new here, you picked a perfect Sunday to be here because this week you're really going to get, I think, a very clear picture of who we are as a church family, where we're uh, heading in the, the days ahead. I uh, want to welcome our, our live stream, our online church family as well. So happy that you're joining us uh, this morning as well. So we do this every single year, what we call celebration or our vision Sunday, typically kind of end of January, beginning of February. And the reason we do this every year is really just to kind of talk about who we are as a church family, what our mission is, and then invite people into that mission uh, with us. Now, part, part of what we do here is, is try to create environments where uh, community and relationships uh, and discipleship can kind of happen organically uh, or naturally. And so we kind of do different things, different events that kind of facilitate those things happening. And so just want to keep two of those things on your radar, both of them uh, just kind of right on us. The first one I'm not going to belabor because I've talked about it to death, but dudes, tonight is the night, chilly night, 5.30 p.m. upstairs. If you're a dude, be here. Even if you didn't sign up, shame on you, but you can still come anyway. Come 5.30, we're going to have a really good time. The second thing is I want to let you guys know about is next Sunday, so one week from today, 2 to 5 p.m., is a, a family dance party formerly known as the Daddy-Daughter Dance, but I got so many moms come up to me like, man, how come I can't bring my son? Are you guys sexist at New Life? And so, no, we're not. And so everybody can come. Moms, bring your elementary-age sons. Dads, bring your elementary-age daughters. We also have a, a ton of blended families here. So if you're stepmom, stepdad, whatever it is, bring the youngins out next Sunday, 2 to 5 p.m. Going to have a, a blast just kind of dancing, having a good time, playing some games. So bring the little ones out next Sunday for that. Going to be a real good time. Now, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and head for Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, that's going to serve as our base camp uh, this morning. We're going to kind of pause as we go through the morning, celebrate some milestones along the way. You're going to hear from some of our partners as well as some New Life team members um, as well. The truth of the matter is, as we were planning for this Sunday, there were so many cool stories that we could celebrate. The sad reality is we only have time this morning to show a very small fraction of those stories, we hope to roll out some of the other stories that we can't share this morning uh, later on throughout the year so you can celebrate those milestones uh, all throughout the year. Now, today is going to be just a little bit different, but my hope and my prayer is it's going to be uh, good. And my hope and my prayer is that you're going to walk out of here as part of this faith family feeling very encouraged about where we are, where God has taken us as a faith family. Now, I want you to know I'm extremely grateful as a pastor here at New Life for, for what God has been up to in and through our church family over the last year, 13 months or so. But, but as grateful as I am for where we've been, I'm even more excited for where God is going to be taking us in the days ahead. Now, the reality is this. Our world can feel and seem very kind of doom and gloomy, can it not? You know, just be honest, it just kind of feels that way, right? I don't know if you flipped on a news channel or on TV or your app or something this week, man. We got wars just kind of raging out of control in Europe. We got spy balloons flying over the country, like just madness, all kinds of crazy things going on in a world. It can feel very depressing. It can feel very scary at times. But I want you to know the future is always bright when Jesus is at the center of your world. And so no matter what's going on in your circumstances, in your life, if you know the Messiah, if you know Jesus, you have reason to be happy and have hope this morning, right? 
So we walk in the light as his kids. Now today what I want to do is I want to celebrate some things that God has done in the life and body of our church family. I also want to cast a little bit of vision about where God is taking us in the days ahead. So what we want to do this morning is just kind of glance back at the last 12 to 13 months, and then we want to kind of charge ahead into the vision that God has for his bride in the days ahead. So that's kind of the goal. Now let me start with a question, just by a show of hands. How many of you know, just be honest, some of you are new and it's okay, how many of you know what our mission statement is at New Life? Like you could just quote it. If I saw you on the street, I said, bro, what's our mission statement? How many of you could just quote it, all right? So like, that's sad, man. The first service like 70%. It's like like 20% here. All right, so uh, if you don't know it, here it is. When I ask this next year, you're gonna know it, all right? On the screens, here, here's our mission statement at New Life. We exist to help people Find and follow Jesus. That's it. Like super simple, like built on the great commission in Matthew chapter 28. So listen, guys, everything that we do here from kids ministry to student ministry to the worship songs that we sing, that we just sung on Sunday morning, you'll notice they're all very gospel-centered. They're centered on God. They're centered on Jesus, not on us. From the sermon series that we choose to preach to our mission strategy to our local partners that we choose, our global partners that we choose, like everything gets filtered through that one lens of does it help people find and follow Jesus? Now you, be, you may be asking like, well, why do we filter everything that we do through that one simple lens of helping people find and follow Jesus? Here's why. I think Jesus kind of summarized it beautifully right before he, after the resurrection, before he sends back to the Father. He gathers up his disciples right before he goes back to heaven, and he says this to them. This will be on the screen for you. This is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And, and so right before he goes, he says, guys, this is what I want you to give your lives away to. And he says this, but you, my disciples... Right, the original 12 and us today, modern day disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So their local context. So for us, Asheville, the 828. Judea and Samaria. So surrounding areas, just say North Carolina and the United States. And, and to the end of the earth. So he, give, he gives them this charge. Hey, you're going to be my witnesses right here in your neighborhood, in your school, in your workplace, but it doesn't end there. I want you to take this great, glorious good news of the gospel outside of this context where you live to other places, ultimately even to the ends of the earth. Now, what does it look like to be a church on mission with Jesus? I think Acts chapter 2, our base camp uh, passage this morning gives us a remarkable picture that serves, I think, as a, as a blueprint for all churches and all cultures in all times. So I hope you're there now. Acts chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 42 together. If you don't have a Bible, uh, uh, this will be on the screens for you. And this is what uh, Dr. Luke investigated Christianity, became a follower of Jesus himself. This is how he records the early church for us. He says, and they, these new Christians, these new, ch these new churches, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, let me pause there. Where do we find the apostles' teachings today? Where are they recorded for us? In the New Testament, right? So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, or, or we could say in a modern context, they devoted themselves to the, the Bible and to the fellowship, this idea of family or spiritual community. We're going to come back to that in a minute. To the breaking of bread. This might have been actually a reference to the Lord's Supper, right, that they celebrated as they gathered on Sundays to worship and to the prayers. 
So the, these new believers, these new churches were devoted to prayer, to the Bible, to community together. That's not all. Uh, and all came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. Again, this idea of family, of community. This was uh, a big part of who they were in the first century. Verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had needs. Again, caring for each other in practical ways, right? So, so none of this, hey, love you, bro, love you, sister, but I see that you're suffering. I see that you're in need. And I'm not going to do anything to help those practical. No, these guys loved each other in real and practical we, uh, ways. It wasn't just uh, lip service. Verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So they didn't just gather on Sunday morning. They were living life together in each other's homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Man, how many of you know Christians ought to be the most happy people on planet Earth? The early church was. And understand this, they lived in incredibly difficult circumstances, tons of persecution, most of them were uh, impoverished because of their faith in Jesus Christ, and yet we see, man, just joy, happiness, because they had Jesus, and that was enough. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. Now, how did they have favor with their unbelieving community, neighbors, classmates? Well, we know from extra-biblical historical accounts, they were serving their community in radical ways. And they were caring for the poor. They were caring for the orphan, the widow, the sick, and the lonely. We'll talk about that more in a minute. And what was the result of this incredible community of faith, really living in the footsteps of Jesus? Luke tells us, And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So I just want to give you kind of quickly four marks of the early church. Marks that I think we are at New Life striving to become this kind of uh, Acts 2 DNA type church. So four marks, and we'll kind of celebrate some milestones along the way. First mark of being a church that's on mission, number one, we see in Acts 2, they became family. They became family, man. They lived together. We see that they shared meals together. They, they worshiped together. In fact, they even, the, the, Luke tells us they sold some of their own possessions to care for the needs of one another. They weren't like family. They actually were family. So I just want to say, as I have before, listen, church, we aren't like family here. We actually are family in God's economy in the way that he sees us. You've heard it said, man, blood is thicker than water, but the spirit is thicker than blood. Spiritual family is absolutely key to us thriving individually in our Christian walk. Now, understand this. Creating a culture of family, I think, starts with the environment that gets created in our worship gatherings on Sunday mornings. Now, it certainly doesn't, it doesn't end here, um, but I think oftentimes it does begin here. Because how many of you know, man, when you're church shopping, let's say you move to a new city, um, maybe some of you are new here, so you're in that process now, you're just kind of checking us out. If not, you remember probably what that was like. I've been in that season of my life at different points in time where you're checking out churches. How many of you know when you walk into a church and you can sit down, nobody even notices you? Right? Folks are just kind of cold and distant, maybe even a little bit grumpy, like, dude, you're sitting in my seat, whatever it is. Like, nobody talks to you the entire time. Man, you ain't coming back, are you? I know I'm not. I had that experience once. My wife and I were church shopping. We went in this massive church. Nobody even looked at us, man. We walked out there like, dude, we are never, that was the coldest, most unfriendly church we've ever been a part of. We are never going back. 
So that's not the culture that we want to create here at New Life. We want to create a family culture, a welcoming culture, a warm culture. So I want you guys to hear from one of our newer families at New Life about their experience when they first showed up. So let's play the video from um, Chris and Amy. We've been attending New Life for since August of 2021. Our family was looking for a new place to worship, and we were had known Chris and Cheryl for many years and decided to try give New Life, new life a try. From our very first week here, we text the number on the screen, and immediately we were connected with somebody, and they made us feel extremely welcome. Through that process, we, we became involved with different ministries in the church, and our children have been in the youth group and different things, and we've really appreciated New Life making us feel welcome. We were discouraged in our spirits coming here, but since attending, our hearts have been renewed, and we really have found Jesus again in our daily lives. We really appreciate New Life for their welcome, and we thank you. And um, I just felt really um, welcomed by the men in the church through a lot of the, the um, um, events that they had, um, band camp and, and some of the other events on campus here um, to really pull us together and, and you know, uh, encourage uh, friendships. And uh, now when I come in on Sunday mornings, I feel like um, I've, uh, I'm, I'm walking into the living room with family and not, you know, just a a group of people I don't know. So thank you, New Life, for welcoming us with open arms. I love what Chris said there at the end. Did you catch that? Now when I walk in on Sunday mornings, I feel like I'm walking into a living room with family instead of with strangers. That's beautiful. That's, that's the kind of culture that we desire to create here. The reality is I can't do that. Right? I, I can't greet several hundred people. That happens because you guys, by and large, are a welcoming church. So I just want to say good job on that front. Keep loving people. Keep greeting people. Keep inviting them in to take steps with you, whether it's come to your community group or maybe to have lunch after service or whatever it is. That's a beautiful story. And the reality is this. Man, as a pastor, I get to hear these stories all the time. And the truth of the matter is I get to hear these incredible stories of the ways that you guys are consistently loving each other outside of the Sunday morning context. All the time I get to hear stories of how community groups are caring for those who get sick, have a hospital visit, uh, maybe a new mom has a baby, and then there's meals showing up at their house, meeting practical needs, paying people's bills, right? When somebody loses a job and they just need some space to get on their feet. I mean, just incredible ways. Now, one of the ways that we try to foster that type of deep relationship is, is through what we call community groups here at New Life. Now, you, you've heard those called many different things at many different churches, from small groups to cell groups to DNA groups, whatever it is. We call them community groups here at New Life. And in 2019, now just by a show of hands, just curious, how many of you were actually here in 2019? Just raise your hand. That was, what, three years ago? That's probably less than half of you, which was kind of similar to the, the 915. Um, but, but in 2019, uh, if you've been around since then, you're familiar with what I'm about to say. We launched what we call the Seven Big Dreams Initiative. Uh, that, that, that graphics are going to be on the screens for you. You've probably seen that before. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. It's on our website. And, and, and really just kind of what those are are mid- to long-range goals that are intended to help us accomplish our mission of helping people find and follow Jesus in Asheville and around the world. Now, so one of those seven big dreams, as you see on the screen, was to launch 25 new community groups by 25. So 25 by 25. Man, and I'm excited to tell you that we've already launched uh, 17 new groups since we started that initiative in 2019. Uh, we've already got three or four that are getting ready to launch later on this spring, summer, and fall. So we're well on our way to kind of hitting that milestone. Now, here, here's why that's important. 
The, the truth of the matter is that we can only go so deep relationally in an hour on Sunday morning, right? And so we say this all the time. Discipleship really doesn't happen in rows for an hour on Sunday morning. It happens in circles in the home. A lot of the good stuff that's happening in our body life, in our church family, only happens in smaller circles. So I just want to say, man, if you're not a part of a Bible study here, if you're not a part of a community group or some smaller subset of believers who are tracking along with each other, doing life together, I just want to tell you with love, man, you are missing out. You're missing out on a huge portion of what makes uh, the church the church. And so I do want you to hear from a couple of our group leaders, Sam uh, and, and Madison, and, and, and they're some of our group leaders, that just about the kind of the Acts 2 uh, family and missional DNA that's represented uh, in our community group. So y'all, y'all hear from Sam and Madison now. We're small group leaders, and our group decided to go on a mission trip to Myrtle Beach to help out with, with Coastway Church and church plant that we're partnering with down in Myrtle Beach. So it was a really exciting uh, trip and opportunity to be able to get to, to live a weekend in them in the life of a church plant and be part of like that exciting ministry there. We spent a lot of time um, doing prayer walks um, and canvassing their communities. And one of the most impactful, really cool things that we got to do um, was Canvas Community. And on Sunday morning when we were helping um, set up and be a part of their church service, um, we actually got to meet one of the families that grabbed one of those bags off their door and came to church that morning. So it's really cool to see um, the fruits of that labor and to actually kind of have somebody come to church from a simple action that we took. So going on a trip um, together for, you know, a group that we've been with for um, a little bit of time, we obviously already have those relationships. Um, So we're already friends, and so there's the fun part of traveling together um, and getting to do the fun downtime activities. Um, But then we also have that bit of putting what we talk about in group and talk about in our lives and in our faith kind of into action and actually going out and um, doing the things that we talk about um, and growing in our faith as we do that and you know especially the times when it feels uncomfortable or um, prayer walking was new to a lot of us and we got to do that um, together and grow in that as a group which was uh, really impactful. I think being part of a community group is really beneficial and impactful to, to my faith because like it gives us community where we're able to be vulnerable with one another and that's not something that I really get in my, my social life or like my, my work life where I have people in my life who are concerned about like h- how am I doing with my sin lately? Like how is, how is my relationship with God? And having this group of people that are intentionally pouring into me and me and, and to them creates this community that really helps me to, to grow my faith that I can't get outside of group. Yeah, and I would add just, you know, they're there to walk with you through all the ups and downs and they're Um, there to support you throughout the week even when you're not meeting Um, and that means a lot to me and I think there's the accountability piece that um, I really value Um, it's easy to show up to group and just talk about like the things that um, aren't going well or how I'm not taking care of my faith Um, but then those people they always follow back up with you and they um, ask you the hard questions and I appreciate that um, because I think when we try to do that on our own we tend to get stagnant and um, have a hard time. So having them there um, to kind of push us a little bit, but also walk with us um, through all of it has been really important. 
So that's a great picture of how our community groups kind of foster that Acts 2 family DNA where we're not only studying the word together, praying for each other, challenging each other with areas of struggle in our life, but also, as Sam Madison said, even sometimes taking mission trips together. And so that's something that we're seeing more and more of our groups coming to us and saying, hey, can we take a mission trip together, which I think is phenomenal. If, you're, if your group leader's not set up mission trips, talk to them. Say, hey, listen, the pastor said we should go on a mission trip together. Contact Pastor Rodney. Let's get a trip together as a group. I think it's a, a really beautiful picture, again, of what Acts 2 is saying there. Now, I want to say just, man, as your pastor, again, oftentimes you guys don't get to hear all the stories of the way that you guys are loving each other, the way that you guys are being an Acts 2 family, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week, Monday through Saturday, just living life together, taking care of each other, uh, praying for one another, taking care of practical needs. So I just want to say, as your pastor, man, good job. Let's keep going, man. Let's keep fostering that, that idea of family and community that we see so present in the first century church as described in Acts chapter 2. Man, let's keep becoming that family on mission together as we push forward the kingdom of Jesus here in Asheville and around the world. So that's, that's one mark of that early church is that they became family, but they didn't just become family. Here's the second mark that I want you to see of that Acts 2 Christian community. They became a movement. Now, guys, you know what movements do. What are movements known for? for moving <laughs> they move <laughs> by definitions movements move they advance and i just want to say man i think one of the greatest tragedies of the american church is that somewhere along the way we've kind of lost our way and we've gone from movement to institution and we've gone from being a movement that's taking ground for the kingdom of light to being an institution that just kind of dispenses religious services for an hour on Sunday morning. And that church was never designed to be that. And so I just want to say, church family, listen, we have to reclaim our DNA as a church. And I'm not just talking about new life, a church throughout America, of being a movement, not an institution. Church was never designed to be a spectator sport where hundreds of people gather to watch a few people on the stage for an hour on Sunday morning. That was, that was never the design. That was never the blueprint. That was never the intention. But that is, that is really kind of what it's become in our culture uh, uh, largely. We all have a role to play. Like if you're here and you know Jesus, you're indwelled by the Spirit, I want you to know you have a place, a role to play here in this body life. As we push the kingdom of Jesus forward right where we live, work, and play, the reality is this. Look, I can't reach your neighbors. I don't know your neighbors. They're not my neighbors. I can't reach your coworkers with the gospel. I can't re reach your classmates at your high school or your college campus or wherever it is. God has strategically placed you there for that purpose. We've all got a role to play, and we're only going to be the church that God wants us to be when each one of us takes up that mantle and we be, be, start playing that role that we're designed to play. Now, I'm excited to just kind of tell you this. We kind of looked up some statistics. I thought this was really, really cool. Um, over the last year, 90% um, of our covenant team members are actively serving either within our church family or one of our partnerships. Now, that, that may not seem like a big deal to you, but I'm just telling you, that is almost unheard of across the American church landscape. 90% of you who are covenant members are currently actively serving either within our church family or one of our local city partnerships. That is incredible. Not only that, our covenant team membership 
grew by almost 20% over the last year. We're slated to grow probably about 20% uh, this year. We just had a 201 membership class with about 25 people come through that, which means, listen, guys, more and more of you are linking arms with our mission of helping people find and follow Jesus right here in the 828 and all around the world. That's incredible. That's exciting. This is something that we ought to be celebrating together as a faith family. Now, another component, I think, to becoming a movement rather than just an institution where people show up to listen to a guy talk for 30 or 40 minutes and listen to a few songs and maybe give them some goosebumps or something like that. I think part of becoming an actual movement like the early church was designed to be is that we're building bridges into the community and we're caring for the needs of believers among us. Let me, let me just say that again. Part of being a movement is building bridges into the community and caring for the need of believers uh, among us. So I just want to tell you, um, last, last spring, our elder team spent uh, an entire day off campus just, just dreaming. And, and really just kind of looking at our, our strengths and our weaknesses as a faith family, looking at the, the strengths and the needs of our community, right? And, and seeing how those two things might, might align, how we might uh, connect our strengths with maybe some of the needs in our community. One of the things that came out of that, that day of, of just kind of dreaming together as leaders was a, a desire to leverage some of the property that we have on our campus currently with any financial resources the Lord uh, might bless us with over and beyond just kind of our, our normal yearly needs. Uh, again, for the purpose of building bridges into the community and caring for practical needs among the believers. Now, we're looking at three phases over, over several years, right? So you may have noticed we have two uh, kind of medium-sized flat fields as you exit our gate, right? So there's a flat field on the left, there's a flat field on the right. You may not know this, but we also have uh, five or six acres, some of it's usable, some of it's not usable because of the mountains, uh, that just is right on Riverside Drive. This is going to like prime a property. And so we're dreaming about those three areas. Like, man, God, what would God have us do with those three areas on our campus to really maximize, build bridges into our community, be a blessing to our community partners, as well as care for believers in our midst. And so we're still kind of dreaming about phase two and phase three. At some point, we'd love to get some input even from, from you guys about maybe where God would, would have us go. But we are excited to kind of roll out phase one today, let you know about that. You've probably already noticed one of those fields is kind of being cleared, like the, the trees have been uh, cut down. Um, one of the things that came out of that dream session is, is that the, one of the biggest needs that, that just came up over and over again as that day as we were planning um, and, and praying is, and, and you guys, if you've been in Asheville, you know this is true. One of the biggest needs in our city is what? Housing. You guys all nailed it, right? It's crisis housing. Not, not only for single moms, and we've had multiple times where we've had a single mom in our church in need. She's lost her job. She's got two, three, four kids, something like that. Man, we've, we've wanted to do something. We just had nowhere to put them, and that just breaks our heart. We just need a, a temporary place until they find a job and get it on their feet. Not only for like single moms and people who are hurting in our church family, but also like our missionaries, when they come back, to, and I can tell you as a former missionary myself, as when we come back from the field and we are, we're coming back for stateside assignment or to raise support or whatever it is, do you know what one of the biggest stressors for missionaries coming back is? Housing. You, you want to know why? Because they sold their house to go overseas to be missionaries, right? 
So that's always one of the hugest stressors. Is like, man, we're going to go back to the States, but we got nowhere to stay. Are we going to stay with friends? Are we going to stay with family? And so, man, we thought, man, if we had something where we could take care of single moms, our missionaries, when they come back, we've also dreamed about uh, expanding our internship program to out-of-state applicants. Well, the only way that's possible is when we have somewhere to house them for their six-month or 12-month internship or whatever it is. Uh, we also wanted to create something for our local partners to enjoy, to be a blessing to them. Again, building those bridges into community, whether it's a public school that we're partnered with, like Woodfin Elementary. We hope to be partnered with another public school by the end of this year. Uh, pastor Allen, our new student pastor, is going to be taking over that initiative. Or whether it's bringing MAPS or ABCCM or some of our other ministry partners in the city onto our campus just to maybe have a staff day or a staff retreat for them to enjoy, allow us to just love on them, like bring them in, some catering, some barbecue or something like that and so I think we left that meeting with with a plan to hit both of those needs building bridges into the community as well as caring well for uh, believers so again that first area as you exit the gate on the left you already notice that it's kind of flattened out already cleared some trees we're planning to build a small housing unit that's also going to have a really awesome outdoor space that our partners can use to come on our campus and enjoy so we've got a picture kind of a renderings of what that building is going to look like we're hoping to break ground on that in the next month or two with the hopes of being uh, done with that project by the end of the year. Now, here, here's the best news of all. You guys ready for this? We're going to be able to do this completely debt-free, right? We're not going to have to go into any debt. I'm not going to have to stand up here and beg you guys for any money. None of that. Because of your generous giving, we, have an, we think we have enough in our general fund to pay for this in cash. We're going to find out in a few months. But by faith, we're just going to claim it. We have enough to do this with building costs. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. This is going to be a huge blessing to people in our church family who need crisis uh, housing is going to be a huge blessing to our missionary partners. It's going to be a huge blessing to get, man, all of our city partners on our campus. Just let them use that facility freely as they need it at no charge to them. Just allow us to love on them. So, man, thank you for your generous giving that's allowing projects like that to move forward as we build bridges into our community. Now, there's a, the third aspect of the church that I want you to see that we're trying to become. Number three is that they became disciples who multiplied. That's extremely important. Now, you'll notice in Acts 2.47, what we just read, it says the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. In fact, one of our core values at New Life is multiplying disciples. We want to multiply ourselves at every level. So we want to multiply individually. We want to multiply at the community group level. So if you've been part of a community group for a number of years, you know that we typically plant new groups out of existing groups. Like that's just a common thing that we do because we believe in multiplication. We don't just want to multiply at the individual small group level. We also want to plant new churches. Now, but, but here's, here's the reality, and I want you to hear this. And this is important, man, especially in our day and age in our culture. Discipleship, multiplication. Let me just talk to moms and dads especially. If you've got kids at home. Real biblical Acts 2 type discipleship starts at home with moms and dads. Now, now let, me, let me say this re really clearly, and I want you to hear, hear me say this. If we win the world for Jesus and we lose our kids in the process, we have failed as disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to be honest with you. I don't want to sugarcoat this. If, you, if you've got kids, especially middle school, high school, college age, you already know this to be true. But all the stats, all the stats say that somewhere between 70 and 80% of our kids leave the Christian faith 
and or the church by the end of their freshman year in college. Now, that's heartbreaking. Now, now, what that also tells me is that the world is doing a better job discipling our kids than we are as Christians. And I just want you to know, that's not okay. And I want you to know, man, we've, we have to, we absolutely have to flip the script on that narrative, guys. And, and that's why one of our seven big dreams here at New Life is to equip 150 families to disciple their kids at home. Because listen, it starts at home. It starts at home with our kids. Listen, if you, mom and dad, I promise you, if you are counting on bringing your kids here for an hour on Sunday morning, and that's standing up to the, the world, discipling them for 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week. I'm just telling you, that is a losing game plan. It's a losing game plan. We've got to equip you guys, moms and dads, stepmoms, stepdads, single moms, single dads, to equip your sons and your daughters in following Jesus at home. And so I want you to hear from Amber Black, our kids ministry director, about some of the progress that we're making in that, in that regard. One of the seven big dreams here at New Life is to equip 150 families with in-home discipleship. And I'm so excited to tell you guys that we have reached a milestone of 100 families who have committed to this. And this is so exciting. I have a personal story that's special to my heart. And it started back in kids camp where I met a young lady who had so many questions about the Bible, about Jesus, and about everything we were learning. So after kids camp, her mom got with me and the three of us met together in my office and we had conversations. Through those conversations, this young lady accepted Jesus as her savior and followed him in believer's baptism. And I was so excited because I got to be a part of her baptism and that was a first for me. So I know that is a memory that I'm always gonna treasure. After this, we had our back to school barbecue bash and this family participated in that. And during this time, we just had some tips and tricks for how to implement in-home discipleship. And now that family is actively involved at New Life and they are participating in in-home discipleship in their daily lives. So church family, we're making great headway in this area. We're not, we're not where we wanna be yet. I wanna let you know about a couple opportunities uh, for families coming up. In fact, this coming Wednesday, starting at 6 p.m. right upstairs, we're launching an eight-week Bible study for elementary age kids. So this, this Wednesday, starting at 6 o'clock, if you register, great. You can still register online. You can also just show up even if you don't register. Uh, it's going to be a great time of teaching our kids how to read, apply, understand the Bible for themselves. Parents, you can drop your kids off for an hour and a half, go and have a great date go grocery shopping, or you can stay here and actually see what your kids are learning. We're also going to have some tools and resources we're going to be sending home with moms and dads so that you can disciple your kids at home the rest of the week. We're also going to be this summer having an all-day family discipleship intensive. We're just going to spend all day just kind of equipping you guys to disciple your kids at home, giving you tips and tools. And so we're going to have more information as we get closer to that this summer. But listen, guys, discipleship has to start at home. Now, we're committed to partnering with you, but ultimately that mantle has been given to you, mom and dad. Deuteronomy 6, go read it. Ephesians 6, go, go, go read it. This is your job to disciple your kids. It's our job to help partner and equip you. We intend to do that. We're making progress. We're going to keep uh, pushing that ball forward. Another prong of our strategy to multiply disciples, and you hear us talk a lot about it, is planting new churches. 
Now, guys, I don't understand this, but all the studies, all the missiologists say that the most effective way to reach people for Christ is by planting new churches. Now, I don't know why that is, that uh, established churches tend to reach fewer new folks than new church plants, but it's just evident that new church plants reach more new people. So one of our seven big dreams to that end is to take the lead as a church family on three church plants, meaning that we're not just partnering with those three plants, but they're like, we're owning them. Like they're our baby, right? Like, so we're the primary champion. We're the primary partner for those three church plants. We rolled out the first of those partnerships last fall, Redeemer Fellowship, which just launched uh, less than a year ago in the Washington, D.C. area. Daniel Dixon, their pastor, was here. He was on the stage last October. Uh, he preached. God is doing some amazing things in that church plant. We're going to be sending some teams up to the D.C. area uh, in the coming months. But I wanted you to hear from Daniel and his wife, Shelly, just kind of a, a little bit of update from them. Hey, New Life, it is Daniel and Shelly Dixon here from the DMV um, or Northern Virginia with Redeemer Fellowship. And we just want to give you a really quick update on what this launch year has meant for us and what it has meant for our city um, and what it meant for our family. Particularly what it's mean for our family is I mean, we, we have the privilege and honor of planting a new church here in the DMV to see the gospel go forth and see this place be transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. And we have that unique opportunity of being a family who's planted a church alongside other families and it's been a really good joy our gift to our family as our little three-year-old Evelyn gets excited almost every single day hey <laughs> are we going to spend time with our church family are we going to go to church and man that's just been a really sweet moment for our family uh, because of what God's called us to as church planters yeah yeah, a great encouragement to me has just to see how God has been at work um, among our women. Um, our Redeemer uh, Women's Ministry Sisterhood events um, that we've been meeting monthly to um, see what it means to follow Jesus as women in our time, in our culture, in our context, and uh, what that looks like to be um, women who have unique demands and roles. Um, so we've it's been a joy to study God's Word together and to learn how to apply the Gospel um, in our lives. So... Uh Here's a couple ways you can just be praying for us. One, that we would grow in hospitality at the church, that we would invite people into our homes and invite people to our church to explore and investigate what it looks like to follow Jesus. A big dream, a big uh, prayer request that we're praying for uh, Redeemer Fellowship is that we would see 10 souls saved in the next year. Mm -hmm. In 2023, that God would save 10 souls and people would trust in Jesus and give their life to Jesus. And the last thing, we're just praying for ways that we can engage in our community. We think places that we can step towards, areas of brokenness that we can take the gospel to. So New Life, we're thankful for you. We love you guys. Everyone asks all the time, when are we going back to Asheville? <laughs> so we hope to see you all soon. Thank you all. Thank you. You guys keep praying for Daniel, Shelley, uh, what's going on in the D.C. metro area through Redeemer Fellowship. Maybe even consider hopping on to one of our short-term trips that's going to be heading up to the D.C. area uh, in, in the months ahead. Now, a second church plant that we've taken the lead on is a, a, actually a Sudanese house church plant movement 
that's kind of spanning two countries in North Africa. Now, I want to just share a couple of numbers with you so you can kind of celebrate with us. Again, I get to hear these kind of things uh, on a consistent basis, but you guys don't always hear these things. So th this house church plant movement of these refugees in North Africa, listen to this, up to now, 69 house churches with over 650 people. They had 53 baptisms of new converts to faith in Jesus Christ last year alone. Man, what God is doing over there in this house movement is nothing short of incredible. Now, I want to show you guys some security-sensitive pictures. I'm going to ask uh, our live stream guys to go ahead and kill the, the visual feed just for security reasons. If you're watching online, don't panic. Uh, we'll be back in like 60 seconds. We just can't uh, broadcast these pictures uh, online. We've got to keep them in-house. So we ha we've been to a couple of times over there. Last fall, we had a team go over there. I'm going to show you some pictures of, uh, of some things that are happening right now. So when we talk about uh, 69 house churches, I don't know what you picture, but this is one of the 69 house churches, right? Looks a little bit different than what we're doing right here, but they're just gathered up in a, in a space, maybe a living room. They're studying the scriptures. They're worshiping the creator. They're celebrating the Lord's Supper. They're seeing baptisms happen. And then a couple of times a year, those 69 house churches come to together for a time of corporate worship together. So I want to show you just a few pictures. There's one of our New Life team members who was just there a few months ago working with the kids when all those 69 uh, house churches came together for a time of worship. There they are worshiping. Now look, I know we got a lot of ca Caucasian folks in here, and we kind of worship like corpses that are just kind of propped up. We got something to learn from our brothers and sisters and how they get excited about the Lord, man, every single week. So man, they're grooving. Man, they're celebrating. They're worshiping that we have a resurrected savior and then i'll show you the next picture there so these are the folks when our team was there that were were taking a step of baptism right so all these folks got baptized our team got to take part in those baptisms just kind of roll through there you can see one of our michael one of our uh, new life team members there kind of helping with the baptisms as we were over there just a few months ago and again these are man these are our brothers and sisters in christ who from a material standpoint have nothing just keep rolling through them now look at that smile right there that, that is a lady who is happy, man. She ain't got nothing but Jesus, and that is enough. That's beautiful. You got Joni there, one of our New Life members. Now, here's a picture. Now, you got to know this about Rodney, man. He's a little bit of a stinker. So Pastor Rodney, Michael there, they called one of these house church pastors up there like, hey, bro, we want to take a picture of you. And as he's standing there posing for the picture, they push him into the swimming pool. Dirty dogs, man. Now look at his face. <laughs> that says it all, man. He thought it was hilarious. So listen, we're making these connections, these family-type relational connections. God is moving the ball forward across the world in incredible ways. And listen, church family, God is using New Life as a primary driving partnership and force and seeing these things happen all across the world it's absolutely mind-blowing to me that god is uh choosing to use a new life in some of these amazing ways now one more mark i want you to see that early church acts chapter 2 look at verse 46 with me it says this and day by day attending the temple together breaking uh bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts and watch this praising god and having favor with all the people again how were they having favor with their unbelieving neighbors co-workers colleagues classmates and that's truth number four on the screens for you. They gave themselves away for the good of others. They literally gave their lives away for the good of others. 
So we know, again, from extra-biblical historical writings, man, they, they fed the hungry, they clothed the poor, they adopted orphans, not just their own orphans, but the or- orphans of, of, of pagan uh, Romans who, who, who were casting out some of their disabled sons and daughters. They would, the Christians would take them in and adopt them. When the plague broke out in Rome, as people were fleeing the city, the Christians stayed in the city. In fact, Christians from other cities came in to care for the sick and the dying, fearless. Right, great cost to themselves. Great sac- Many of them died caring for the sick and the dying, all while pointing people to hope in Jesus. Now, one of our seven big dreams in terms of finances was to invest, starting in 2019 by 2025, to invest $1.5 million in missions, church planting, poverty alleviation, Asheville and around the world, anti-trafficking initiatives. Now, I've got to tell you, when we launched that number, that felt impossible. For our elders, when we talked about it, it was like, man, okay, that, that's a God-sized number for a church our size. 1.5 million is a big, scary number. We don't, God's going to have to show up. He's going to have to do something cool for us to reach this goal. So we've crunched the numbers. Since 2019, we as a church have invested in those initiatives. Y'all give me a drum roll, please. Come on, get a little drum roll. On the screens, 1414830 dollars <laughs> since 2019. That's insane for a church our size to have invested that. Like we've almost hit the goal. We still got two years, so we're at some point the elders are gonna have to redream. I don't know what the number is gonna be next time, but it seems like whenever we we just kind of keep upping it, and God just keeps blessing it, keeps showing up. Now that that's not it. I want to share one more thing with you. You guys know if you're here last year, the end of every year we take up what we call the send missions offering. So once a year, we ask you to give above and beyond your normal tithes and offerings to the SEND offering in November, December. That money goes exclusively to fund all of our mission partnerships in 2023. So we just got the numbers in, uh, wrapped up for the SEND offering from last year. It's going to go to this year. Give me another drum roll, please. The number that you guys gave is $220,805. So almost, almost a quarter of a million dollars that you gave sacrificially for the cause of the kingdom of Jesus moving forward through church plants, missions, poverty alleviation, anti-trafficking things. So I, let, me, let me just say again, as your pastor, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you, church family, for your sacrificial generosity. Because you give extravagantly, the gospel is moving forward in incredible ways in hard places and spaces in Asheville and around the world. Now again, guys, those we're, you guys know this. New Life is not a mega church. We're a medium-sized church. Those numbers are mega numbers. Those, are, those numbers are not explainable, humanly speaking. God is up to something. He's, he's blessing his work around the world through you guys. So again, thank you for your obedience uh, to, to give sacrificially so that these things can, can go forward. I want you to hear actually from one of our team members, Laura Beth. Uh, she's actively involved in anti-trafficking. Uh, your giving goes to support her work. So I want you to hear from, from Laura Beth. I work with Youth with a Mission here in Asheville, and one of my roles is to oversee our anti-trafficking ministry called the Rachman Project. And we seek to expose the darkness of sex trafficking around our world. We empower those who have been enslaved to escape bondage and enrich their lives themselves with dignity. So part of what we do is we help to fund a restoration home in India. And when women leave the red light area, they have come from this place of complete devastation in their lives. 
And so when they enter the restoration home, they're very broken. Uh, they don't have family, or their family is very far away, or their family has rejected them completely. So they come to the restoration home and they receive professional counseling. They get to learn and have education, sometimes for the very first time in their lives. A lot of them are actually illiterate. Um, but they also start to have job training of a job of their choice. So a lot of them choose things like tailoring or baking, uh, jewelry making, that sort of thing. And the, the staff at this restoration home walk alongside of them through this whole process. And normally it takes about a year before they're ready to move on to the next phase of restoration. And that like, looks like moving to a group home. So it's just three or four other ladies. And this is when they've obtained a job and they're starting to actually receive a salary. So they can start learning things like paying bills and going grocery shopping and living life as an individual in society. And then the very last phase of that process for them is to what we would call launching back into society. So basically they'll still have professional counseling and still meet up with a staff member every now and again, but really they're living life by themselves um, as they want to. And so it's really beautiful to see how the Lord walks these girls through this process. And so many times we see them actually come to love and know Jesus because they see that he is the one who brings that ultimate freedom. Recently, we have seen more women leave the red light area and walk into the restoration home. We've seen several ladies who have obtained jobs for the first time outside of the brothel system. We've also seen one woman who has moved into independent living. So she has gone through that restoration process from the restoration home through the group home and into independent living as well. And so it's just a cause for celebration that we see these ladies who are taking their, their healing and that freedom journey into their own hands and walking fully forward into that. And in that culture, family, we get to be a part of God freeing women that are, that are trafficked oftentimes against their will all the way across the world. Many, many of these women, we won't meet on this side of eternity, but we're having an impact all the way across the world. I want you to hear from another one of our city partnerships, Mount Area Pregnancy Services. Um, this is an organization in our city that we're partnered with. They work really with the most vulnerable people in our city, from single moms who are experiencing unplanned pregnancies to advocating for the voiceless with the unborn to post-abortive care for women. They're doing amazing work. We're proud to be partnered with them. I want you to hear from Mountain Area Pregnancy Services. MAPS is Mountain Area Pregnancy Services. It's a Christ-centered nonprofit ministry in the county of Buncombe as well as into Waynesville. And we are, our church is partnered with the with MAPS, and it's got four-pronged ministry that it really reaches out to pregnant women and families in a crisis pregnancy. It also, we also minister to families who have lost a child, either through a miscarriage or stillbirth. There's also Eva's Footprints that ministers to families that have life-threatening um, diagnosis for their baby and then the last one is for post-abortive women if maps um, hadn't been around um, if if they had been around and they they didn't have Eva's footprints um, in place to to help me during that time. Um, I would have survived. Um, 
But survival alone is not, it's not life in the truest sense. Um, Jesus came that we would have life and life abundant, um, that we wouldn't just survive. Um, and I, I really do think that, that um, yeah, my, my time with MAPS, my time um, going through um, processing with them, that, that in the end has helped me to, to flourish, to, to not just survive, but to really live again. When, you're, when your whole flesh is, is completely opposed in, and has no idea how you could possibly get through something, he gives you a grace for things to celebrate and to, to enjoy it and to be excited um, and to hope again. I knew my God wasn't offended by big asks, and so um, we figured, my husband and I were like, hey, we're going to ask big, and we're going to submit whatever happens.
So really cool stories of how God is using our church plants really all across the U.S. as well as around the world to reach people uh, for Jesus. Sent a team down to Coastway last year. We got another team getting ready to go down to Myrtle Beach uh, uh, this year. So maybe for some of you, one of your steps is, and I'm going I'm to take one of these trips in 2023, whether it's uh, just somewhere in the States, maybe it's across the, the ocean to, to hang out with some of our Sudanese brothers and sisters in Christ in this church house. Uh, plant movement. But listen, guys, there, there are so many opportunities, so, so many on-ramps into God's mission. Now, understand this. I know that God's mission isn't limited to the on-ramps that we've developed as a church staff or a church elder team. So many of you are just kind of taking the bull by the horns, man. You're doing the things that God has laid on your heart. Man, just dozens of stories that we could share. I think about uh, I think about uh, Charles and Sue Reed in Malawi. You guys have heard some of their stuff in the past. You'll hear more in the future. I think about Becky Lloyd with Signs, uh, Signs for Hope, dealing with uh, the deaf community, uh, Rich and Shirley Miller, who are helping uh, missionaries abroad through TEAM, that organization. And man, the list could go on and on and on with just the ways that you guys are engaged in incredible ways with what God is doing uh, around the world and even in our own city here. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you a, a quick challenge, a kind of a two-step challenge, and then we're going to be done, right? We're, we're going to move on with our day. So on the screens for you, here are the two challenges for you. All right, if this is your church family, if you're a team member here, if you're a regular attender here, pray and participate. That's it, man. That's all we're asking you to do in 2023. Pray and participate. Would you pray that God would continue to use us collectively and then you individually to really just kind of advance the kingdom of Jesus here in the HUA and around the world. Now, I don't understand why this is true, but it is true. It's clear in Scripture. It's clear in my own experience. God is moved to, listen, God is moved to action by the prayers of his son and daughters. Now, now why is the sovereign God moved to action by the prayers of his son and daughters? I don't really understand that. I just know that he is. So our prayers matter. Our prayers count in advancing the kingdom of Jesus forward in Ash 1 around the world. So please pray to that end. The second thing is, if you're not already participating, I want you to know, here's your official invitation. Join us. <laughs> like, we, we need you. Like the reality is, like if, if you're not playing your part, there's a part of our body that's not functioning properly. We need you. We need this, the, the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you for us to become the church that, that we really want to become in the days ahead. So listen, church family, if you haven't already, please find your place. And here's the reality. I, for whatever reason, in spite of us, God is doing some really cool things in and through our church family. I'm so grateful for where we're at, super excited for where God is taking us. But here's the reality. I can't accomplish those things alone. Our church staff team can't. Our elder team can't. As great as all those guys and gals are, if we're ever going to be the church that I believe God wants us to be. Listen, guys, it's going to take every single one of us taking our place in the story that God is writing in Asheville and around the world. So if you would have to just admit, like, man, I, this is awesome. I see what God is doing in Asheville around the world. I'm not yet really plugged into that mission. I'm ready to take a step. Here's, here's how you do that. There's a celebration guide. Some of y'all got some on the way in. If you didn't get one on the way in, please grab one on the way out. On the back side of that celebration guide, there's a website you can go to. There's a QR code that you can scan on your phone. It'll take you to a little form. If you fill that out, our staff will be in touch with you and will help you walk through that process of finding out what your next step is in joining God and his mission through New Life right here in our city 
and around the world. Guys, please, let's all, as we, again, launch into a new year, let's pray, let's participate. Let's pray, let's participate. Let's pray, let's participate. Listen, we were created for this time, this moment in history. Let's make our lives count for the good of others and for the glory of our God. Let's pray, then we're going to worship a God who is worthy. God, as we have looked back over the last year, the last 13 months, our, our hearts are just filled with, with awe, amazement, gratitude, God, that you would choose to use flawed, uh, imperfect, broken, busted up people like us to help advance your mission right here in Asheville and around the world. And we know, God, from your word that you don't need us, that you're a great, big, powerful God. You can accomplish everything that you want to accomplish all by yourself. The word tells us that if we don't cry out in worship, the rocks, the stones would cry out in worship. So you you don't need us, God, but you invite us into your mission because you're a loving father. And you know that ultimately we're gonna find our purpose and our hope and our happiness when we're walking lockstep in your mission, what we were created for before the foundations of the world. We weren't created to just make money and build a cool house and take nice vacations. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but but we were created for something far bigger than that. And it's only when we find that purpose and begin to live out our purpose in the context of your mission that we really thrive in our lives, God. And I want to thank you for so many new lifers here who are already doing that faithfully, consistently, sacrificially. God, thank you. For those who haven't yet taken that step, God, would you, would you give them the courage to maybe begin to take those baby steps this year of engaging in prayer, just praying, God, how would you use me? Little old me in my neighborhood, in my apartment complex, in my dorm room, in my school, my middle school, my house, whatever it is. God, how do you want to use me? How do you want me to leverage my time, my passions, my gifts, my energy, my resources. How, how would you have me leverage what you've given me so that I can be a part of this great, amazing, big plan that you're doing all across the world? Like, God, I don't want to miss out on that. And God, would you help us collectively as a church to remain faithful, to keep trusting you, to keep pressing the mission forward here in Asheville and around the world, not for our fame, God, but for the fame of your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, that his name would be made famous here in Nashville and around the world. We pray all these things in his beautiful name. Amen. Church family, let's stand and let's worship.